listening to the She's Unshakable podcast. I'm your host, Claire Lonsdale, and if you're looking to create incredible courage, resilience, and unshakable belief in yourself, then this podcast is for you. Each episode, I'll be interviewing incredible adventurers, athletes, and entrepreneurs to dig deep into the strategies and tools they use to create unwavering courage and belief, so that you can learn how to never give up on your goals and achieve the life of your dreams. Today I have the pleasure of introducing Lynette Allen. Lynette is a shaman who I recently met in Ubud and we had such a beautiful ceremony together that I wanted to get her on my podcast because she has an incredible story to share with you all about her big corporate career in London, how she's changed and moved here to Bali and everything in between. Lynette runs retreats and ceremonies for women in Bali and she's known as a modern medicine woman. I'm so excited to chat to her today and if you want to find out more about what she's up to you can check out awomansblessing.com. Cool so I'm super excited to have Lynette on today. We met recently because Lynette runs some cacao ceremonies up in Ubud in Bali and I went and joined and it was such a beautiful experience and I absolutely loved it and I thought it'd be a really cool thing for you to be able to come here and tell your story to our listeners because it's such a cool story and what you're doing is so aligned with everything that I value and empowering women and and just yeah the love that you shared was really cool so I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit so that our listeners can get to know you and your story because it's such an awesome story. Oh sure okay thank you so much so uh, my name is Lynette Allen I'm a modern day medicine woman Uh, which means I don't have any um, ancestral heritage that I know of in plant medicine or where I'm working, the shamanic world that I'm working in and I have fallen in love with. But I, um, I, my, my guides and my, um, my spirits have all been shamans and practitioners of plant medicine for the last three years. And so I've been given permission to work with these special plant medicines and this sacred space that we bring together for for women. But my life wasn't always like that. That's been for the last three years. Um, You could say for the modern day medicine woman, she's somebody that uh, brings together people in community. She's somebody that uh, brings together people to do their own healing. Uh, she's sometimes known as a healer. I don't consider myself a healer, but I do consider myself somebody who holds sacred space for people to do their healing in my presence and in my circles. Um, and I use plant medicine to do that. So I used to work in, um, I was self-employed in England as a coach. Um, I've done all sorts of things running my own business for 20 years in that world. I've worked in corporates. I've worked um, in glass offices in London and Brussels and Paris and teaching female empowerment to women. I would wear uh, suits and power dresses and high heels and (laughs) do PowerPoints. (laughs) And, you know, in terms of, you know, like plant medicine, I'd never really even heard of it. I certainly haven't even smoked a cigarette. So I had never had anything to do with any of this. Yeah. And then... Through my husband's healing journey three years ago, he 
very, very strongly got a call to do ayahuasca, which um, I had heard of, actually, but I had forgotten I'd heard of it. It was uh, something I had seen Bruce Parry do on the program Tribe. I don't know if you remember that. It was about a decade ago he did a whole series. No, I don't. And I remember... No, I remember sat in my lounge watching this program, Tribe, which came on every week, and I was a coach then working in the city. I'm an author. I've written books. I was doing all of that. And I remember being transfixed at the TV as he was taking ayahuasca, which is pretty much the world's strongest psychedelic plant medicine. Yeah. And in medicine, it's not something you get high on. It's not a party drug. Um, You get a lot of messages from yourself. It's a mirror that's held up to you about your behavior and your life. And it's it's an extremely special uh, plant medicine. So I watched him do this. And I remember being just transfixed to the TV, thinking I'm so pleased that I could witness that. Because it's something I would never, ever be brave enough to do. (laughs) And then roll on some years. And I'm married to a different man. Uh, sat on a different sofa in a different house and he says um medicine's been telling me this medicine called ayahuasca and I'm like what the hell is that what is that so he starts telling me and my eyes widen like are you crazy what the hell (laughs) (laughs) what are you doing what you've reached your mid-40s and you now I don't understand so he went off and he was he was absolutely I have to do this. It's coming to me. It's calling me. He's researching it. And I'm just hoping it goes away quietly, you know. But then it didn't go away. And he found a ceremony and he attended. And I didn't like any part of it at all. The whole thing scared me. And he came back and I was just grateful he was still alive. And he still loved me and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And I thought, well, thank God for that. We've ticked that off the list. I don't have to, he doesn't have to do that anymore. That's, that's done. <laughs> that's done. And then he said, yeah, that's done. Thank God for that. Let's move on. <laughs> and then he said, I want to make this part of my spiritual practice. And my eyes widened even more. And I'm like, what? What do Why? you mean? <laughs> what you done? I want to go every month. Every month? <laughs> Honestly, it was so alien to me. And I have to say, though, that over the coming months, I was introduced to some of the people he was drinking ayahuasca with. I was introduced to the shaman he was drinking with. And, you know, they're really nice people. They're really cool people. They've got normal jobs. They were uh, (laughs) lawyers. They were nutritionists. They worked in hospitals. I'm like, really? And you take ayahuasca? (laughs) (laughs) Thinking it's just all these jungle people. Yeah, I don't know what what misconceptions yeah. I had, actually. I, it was only three years ago, but I've, I've shifted a long way in that time. So I, I noticed his change in himself, and I noticed that, and I, you couldn't help but notice it. And, like, the changes were subtle, but very definitely there. And then one day I said to him, okay. I want to do ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And the shaman and, and my, my husband looked at me like, whoa (laughs) okay do we need to get her a cup of coffee sit down like what really and I'm like no I'm ready I want to do this I want to try this so I tried it and I experienced it and I had the most magnificent night I mean I've never done anything I've never done weed I've never smoked a cigarette I've been drunk five times in my life you know I literally I went from zero to hero to a a very powerful (laughs) 
And it was so powerful. And the next day they were kind of laughing at me because I could barely string a sentence together and somebody was trying to talk to me. And I was, I had to say to her, I'm sorry, I, I can't really hold a conversation right now. I, it was just, the night had been so big. So clearly I wasn't going to do it anymore. And I said, um, yeah, I re- okay, I get this now. I understand a bit more now. And go ahead, you have my blessing but I'm never doing it again, obviously. Well, over the next two years, I sat many, many times. (laughs) I uh, embarked on my own healing journey, which I actually didn't realise I even needed. Yeah. Um, And I got to the point where I was the shaman's assistant and I would assist him in ceremony and I would sing in ceremony and I would drum in ceremony and I would help other people on their journeys when I was very lucid in the medicine and able to function very well and very clearly and other people were struggling. So I came a long way in a very short time and I started to really fall in love with uh, ritual and ceremony and plant medicine and healing on a different level. And it really, that yeah, all the work I had done with empowering women, that was all so valuable. But I couldn't not notice that I could empower women on a completely different level. Yeah. So fast forward to today, and I threw all my suits away. I threw all my high heels away. I barely wear any makeup. Um, I do still get my hair bleached. I'm not really ready to give that up yet, <laughs> but that's okay. I have my mentor, shaman, is a shaman from uh, Costa Rica. And she's a white woman and she has pink hair. So I figure it's fine right now to keep that that look. She calls herself a unicorn. So it's fine for me, right? So, but, um, you know, I I actually prefer working in bare feet. I prefer sitting with women and meditating with them. I prefer, I, I worked out that I could channel information, that words were coming to me that I would not ordinarily have put together that I was able to, in in a deep state of meditation, I was able to speak words of value to myself. And sometimes I feel that they are of value to somebody else. Sometimes they tell me they are of value to them also. Um, So, you know, a lot has changed. A lot has shifted. And I work with plant medicine every day. Um, I hold sacred circle as much as I can. And I bring women together to sit and meditate and dance and uh, I live in Bali now at the moment uh, working on coconut wood floors with the outside and nature and using water as a healing modality and all kinds of yumminess that I never even knew existed a few years ago. So that kind of wraps up my journey, I think. It's pretty crazy when you think about it, like the shift essentially that's happened in your life. Like you'd look back 10 years ago and you might think that you would never be here right now. Well, 10 years ago, I was 46 now, so I was 36. I was living, uh, I had a different husband. I had two dogs. I had a big house. I had two new cars on the drive. I had a business uh, and that was uh, working in, in London, uh, a, a profile. I was in the media a lot. Um, I, I did TV programs, radio all the time. So, you know, I go from that, and now I've got um, another husband who I didn't know was, was on the way energetically. <laughs> I had 
a child who is now seven who is actually instrumental in my plant medicine ceremonies because she opens every single ceremony I do she's so beautiful Um, she's amazing but you know some people say she brought me to ayahuasca which is interesting I don't use ayahuasca so much at the moment I'm using cacao as my modality right now which is simply the most beautiful plant medicine um I have a stepdaughter who I call my own. She's 25. I'm a grandmother to two children, uh, six, nearly six and two. So, and I live in Bali. (laughs) My life is very different to how it was 10 years ago. You know, you never know what's going to happen a decade from now. What am I doing at 56? I haven't got a clue. I wouldn't be surprised with anything right now. (laughs) And I think so many people get caught up. I think maybe especially when in, we're in our late 20s or 30s, we get so caught up in where we should be going and what we should be doing rather than just letting like, letting whatever happens happen and just enjoy the journey kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, well, I remember when I bought my, my second house. I bought a house when I was 18. But I wasn't there very long. That was with a, a boyfriend of mine at the time. I can just put down to being young. But when I bought my 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 first marital house, I remember thinking I was like thirty, and I remember thinking I've made it. I've done it. Yeah. I've got the house. I've got the husband. I've got a nice life. I've got two dogs. I've got two cars in the drive. I've got a pension plan. Wow. Okay. I've done it. Yeah. Oof. That was easy. And then <laughs> I remember like loving that time and I did have a good marriage. Those those years were very good. But you know, I had to listen to myself towards the end of that marriage where I I had to notice cracks that were there for me. And I had to notice that there were some areas of this life that I had that were not fulfilling, that felt emptier than they should have done if I was in my quiet moments able to admit that to myself yeah and you know you have to listen to those little signs that you think oh damn I thought I was set but actually there's some cracks here I didn't even see it's a crack at that point you have to start getting real okay I would like more. I think I deserve a life that's different, that is fulfilling in every way. And that's when I had to get real, when I had to listen to what my heart really wanted. And that was the first time. I mean, my dad died actually a few years before that, which broke my heart. That was probably my first big thing in my life was my dad dying. It happened very suddenly. But you know, leading on from that, like, I had to reshape my life. Because when my dad died, it wasn't my life that changed in any way. My daily house and my daily routine was still the same. You know, for my mum, everything changed on a daily basis. But for me, it didn't. This was the first time I had to question my daily life and my decisions. And that was when I think I started to grow into a woman, you know. And that's scary, too. I think... It's so so easy for you to say that now, you know, like looking back on it. But so many people are so scared to step into that zone of that feeling that there is more and that I have more potential that I'm putting out to the world right now. And what's holding me back and actually figuring that out is is scary. Like it, you don't know what's going to come from it. And that unknown can be daunting for sure. 
It is very scary, especially when we're brought up with the premise that we are in the society that we are, which is your whole aim in life is to be safe. It's to get the house, yeah. it's to get somebody who loves you, it's to get you know, a good reputation, to be a good person, to have a pension plan in place, to have the, the years being knocked off the mortgage. Yeah. No, that's what we thought, and I had achieved that. And then to go, oh dear. Yeah. Okay, it's really isn't. And I had this, I had this thing in my head. I don't know what I can do. I'm not, I haven't been tested yet. I don't know what I'm capable of. That was all I kept saying to myself. I don't know what I can do. You know, I don't know what I'm strong enough to withstand yet. Yeah. So I had that kind of rolling sense that things needed to change, and it was very scary because. No, I loved my husband. I don't think I I was in love with him the way that I was in the beginning. But he was a lovely man. He is a lovely man. I'm friends with him now. He's there's nothing wrong with him. He's lovely. <laughs> we had a lovely life. But I for me I had to shift. I had to change it. And you know, I didn't want to make a mistake, I didn't want to break his heart for nothing. Oh, yeah. I, I was having panic attacks, I was hiding the panic attacks. Um I wasn't able to work. I was too consumed with what the hell is my life is going on. I went on antidepressants for one day. I thought, I just can't make a decision. I need to calm down. And then when on the first pill I took, I realized I couldn't feel half of my face. Wow. And I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. Oh, my goodness. And I, I thought, well, I'm not depressed. I think I'm just in a wrong place. I just need to work <laughs> out where I need to be instead. I've, depression for me is, is a sign that, your life isn't what you wanted it to be. So you have to change that bit, not take some pills to make it okay for me. Yeah. So I took one pill and thought, oh, I don't like those. <laughs> I'm not taking that. So I think that's the thing, but it was very scary. I looked around me at this perfect house. We had a cleaner. We had two very well-behaved dogs. I had I had a great, beautiful house. And I, I remember looking at the the vases on the shelves that have been carefully placed there thinking, I've got to take you off that shelf. How do I do that? I don't know how to do that yet. How do I dismantle? Because I had to dismantle the house. I had to dismantle the life. I had to change my friendship circles. I had to sell my car. You know, everything I had built, I had to take down. And I did not know what was coming next. I had no idea. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. It's it's inspiring because I think there's probably some people listening thinking, oh, you know, I have that feeling, but I don't know how to get out and I don't know how to move forward because, yeah. you know, I feel like I have everything I have and I should be happy, you know? And Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting is- way of of thinking about it. I've never really looked at it that way, but it's so cool just to hear you say that. Well, I think at the time, you know, I just had this realisation and this kind of panic inside that thought, oh, my God. So I've got two choices, right? I can either be true to myself and think, you have to act. This is this is something you really have to, to act on. Or you carry on. You just carry on living here because, you know, everything's fine. I was safe. I was in a relationship with a good man. I had income. 
everything was fine. You could just keep that, you know. But I couldn't. I mean, part of, partly my whole life was about empowering women and helping them to change and move forward. I couldn't stay yeah. and be true to myself in my job. I couldn't do that. I was like, if I had worked in a shop or if I'd been a vet or if I had done another job, then maybe I could have said, well, you know, I'm just going to choose to stay here. But my whole being was, I was writing a book about how you change your life. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my God, every paragraph I would write, I'd think, oh my gosh, this is such a self-reflection. I have to change this. So the, the, the way I did it back then, I was in such a deep state of shock that my marriage was in that state. And I was so desperately unhappy that I started to focus on one good thing that happened each day. What did you do today that made you smile? It was as simple as that. I played with the dog and he really made me laugh. Or I went to a film, I went to the cinema and I really got lost in that film and that made me feel good. Um, I had a conversation with somebody and she made me laugh. You know, I I really had to focus on what one thing made you smile today. And I think that was the starting point of me being able to um, come out of a hole far enough that I could hear my intuition. Yeah. Because you can't hear your intuition when you're panicking. No. Any messages you get when you're panicking are are fear. Yep. You can't hear that divine message or that divine feeling that is your guidance system you can't hear it and you have to be able to figure out a way and I did other things as well like my confidence was very low and I I, I knew I needed to test myself I'd not had a baby at that point I'd not been through any physical pain I'd never had I'm in a part of a broken arm as a child I really hadn't had much physical pain and I thought I'm gonna get a tattoo I want to have a tattoo. I want to see if I can do that. So I got a nine and a half inch angel wow. on the side of my body. It's in the most painful place, one of the most painful places you can have a tattoo, which is on the ribs. And I sat there for two lots of two and a half, three hours getting this angel tattooed. And I couldn't have been more proud of myself. That was like, okay. And she's a reflection of me. She's She actually is me. She's me from the back. Um, how was it? And then, how was it? Yeah. Painful, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was painful, but I was so clear that this was my pathway to knowing what I could do. It was one of those, I tested myself. It yeah. was a test. And I passed it. And I loved it. And I still love her even now. Yeah. And I've had a baby since then. And, you know, she stretched as I got pregnant and bigger and bigger. And I just kept looking at her saying, oh, God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And then as I lost my baby weight and Livy was out, she just went back. And she's like, perfect. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. I didn't lose you. I'm sorry. I thought I'd really mucked her up at that point. <laughs> her bottom got as wide as mine, basically. <laughs> so, and I really did get quite wide. And then then my publisher lived in uh, Carmarthen, which was the absolute opposite end of the country. I I was on the east coast, and I could see the sea from my house. She was right the way on the west coast, and I'd never driven that far on my own, so I made up my mind to drive down to Carmarthen to see her for the weekend and challenge myself to do that drive. And I didn't know where I was going, 
you know, we had old-fashioned sat and I've then <laughs> So I did that. You know, I kind of tested myself, and each time I did something, my confidence grew. I thought, I did that. I did that. I can do that. So that's how I started to get myself out. And then I, I actually I did a like a cutting of magazines exercise. Like I got my magazines and I cut out the images that like what life do you want? If it isn't this life, what do you want instead? And so I cut some magazine things out. And then later, when I had fallen in love with my uh, what was to be my second husband, and I had moved in with him, and I had become stepmom to his daughter. She was 16 when I met her. The most beautiful, wonderful, wonderful blessing. I love her to bits. She knows that she's my daughter completely. I moved in with them. They were a daddy and daughter duo living together, and I moved in with them. And then I found this magazine cutting. And uh, the fireplace I had cut out was the fireplace that was in our bedroom. No way. Yes, it completely was. I wow. tell you, it completely was. He lived in an old-fashioned two-up-two-down Victorian house with a fireplace, and it was the same one. And he had ta- he was had just got this new camera, and he was keen on taking photos. And he took a picture of my shoes, which were all lined up at the bottom of the bed, because he hadn't really got wardrobe space. He was a man living with a daughter. He, like, <laughs> he didn't really have wardrobe space. You know, this girl moves in with shoes and stuff. <laughs> So I'd find them all up at the bottom of the bed and he'd taken this really cool shot of them. Well, that was also in the, the cutout I had cut out. There's a picture almost identical. That's so the Shoes all lined up at the bottom of the bed. So it was, and there, there are so many other synchronicities too to go into. But I think the focus is what am I being happy about today? Well, that's where it started for me. And I hope that helps somebody who's feeling particularly stressed or in a difficult situation because it starts with right now how can I make myself feel feel good right now this minute what can I do for me and I do I think gratitude is like a secret power that people don't harness enough I think it's it's just so important that just that one thing every day I know I write a journal every morning and writing something that I'm grateful for every morning is is just it's almost life-changing it really is I did that the other day. I wrote this whole thank you note to myself. And I believe in the, the law of attraction. And I listen to Abraham Hicks every day. Yeah. And she's kind of part of my self-love ritual every day, my routine. When I get up, I drink uh, cacao and I put my intention into it into the day. And I listen to Abraham and then I meditate. I do that every single day. Um I was just about to ask you what your morning routine is, so <laughs> you just tell me. That's it. I get, I get up, I make cacao, and I listen to Abraham while I'm just like the cacao is kind of sinking in and I'm getting comfortable. And really, by the time the first 15 minutes, because each of them are like 15 minutes, by the time that's up, I'm already halfway into a meditative state and I just stay there nice. and um, really enjoy that piece. But they were talking on uh, her podcast actually was about um, writing a letter to yourself for your future to read you know thanking yourself or thanking the universe so I just got my laptop open and just started streaming all this stuff about oh thank you for this and thank you for this and I now work like this and oh it's just so satisfying just to write you know just to have a vision of that was really beautiful 
like what a nice way to spend your morning yeah that's a cool that's a cool activity as well and to reread that revisit that Yeah. She's like a very wise child. We, we teach her different things. Um, and I think you would think the things that she would be taught in school were pretty much useless and a waste of time. I think she would think that. So I'm not sure we could send her to school now. I think she'd just be like, why am I here? What am I doing this for? She, she, I mean, when I met her, she was. it was crazy. I was just blown away at how confident she was and how amazing she was just sitting there and and doing her blessing and just this little angel essentially just sitting there and I was in awe I just thought it was absolutely incredible it was so amazing to watch it really was Um, yeah she gets more confident as she goes along you know when uh before um when I started doing ayahuasca she would put love in my cup in because that's what I used to do with her milk when she was a baby and then she progressed to wanting everybody else to see her put love in the cup, in the main cup that everybody would drink from. So she went into the circle, um, very shyly into the circle, up to where the shaman was sitting. He would let her do her little ritual. And then it grew and she expanded her ritual. And, you know, I didn't always know what she was going to do. So she'd take crystals in and I'd say, what are you going to do with the crystals? You'll see, mummy. <laughs> oh, God. But and and the shaman gave her so much space. You know, sometimes she'd be there for a very, 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 very long time, and I'd be looking at my husband, going, "Did we interfere right now? Because we need to get started. She's just taking her time, taking her time." And the shaman just sat there in presence, letting her do her own thing. He was magnificent, and so she's just grown and grown. And the latest. Um, public ceremony I did I introduced her and she started to speak so I shut up and I let her speak and she introduced herself and I said afterwards I said would you like to introduce yourself next time rather than mummy introduce you yes I think I would yes (laughs) I think so and inside I'm going oh my god going to be a pretty amazing journey yeah she's definitely clever and switched on I think everything you're doing seems to be working pretty good so just keep doing it I think you're fine that's all you can do you know my mum used to say you know parenting doesn't come with manual and it doesn't no you just have to guide and mentor and you know nudge just help them grow because I don't know what she's going to grow into. Only she knows that. Only Her she inner knows being that. knows that. Cool. So something, obviously, that I want to get through to our listeners from this podcast is how to build courage and 
how to build resilience. And with your story and obviously putting yourself through pain and things that scare you, something I love because I think pushing forward into something that we don't know and pushing ourselves in anything is is really good. But a lot of people were really scared of doing that. Um, and I just wondered whether you had any sort of advice that you could give our listeners on, you know, maybe when you failed and how you've come through that or how you've built the courage to to do what it is that you've done and how you've got there? Oh, well, I've definitely failed. I've definitely done things not very well. We um, all have. <laughs> I think... I think... When, when we fail at something, when I failed at something, when it didn't go well or when I got slated for something or when um, somebody was unhappy with something I did, I noticed myself a couple of things happen. One is I go into shame. I go into a shame spiral, which is what Renee Brown would call it as a shame spiral. Yeah. And I cry easily, I hide I, you might find me with my head in my hat. Um, I have upset someone or I didn't do very well. You know, I, I have that in me to do that, to go into shame. Um, and I think people use shame to help correct behaviour sometimes. And it's just not the way I now know is productive. It is never productive to shame somebody. No way. But it was done to me in all kinds of uh, teeny, teeny forms, uh, which which create a big thing. So I go into shame if I haven't done very well or if I feel I've failed. And I would go quiet and I would retract and I would make myself small. I know that that's something I would do. Um, but I have another side of me too that at some point says, I'm going to swear, excuse me, listeners, I, I'm <laughs> inside I thought this. I was not put here to apologise for myself. I was put here to shine. Yeah. And I would prepared to do what I want to do in this world and to achieve something that make me feel good. And there is a tipping point where I've noticed it's a pattern where I go, okay, I've done my thing. Note to self-made. If I did that again, I'd probably choose to do this differently. Or, you know what? Not everybody is going to respond to you very well. And there will be some people you upset Really, you could do the same thing a thousand times again because it, it resonated authentically with you and you're still going to offend somebody else. Yeah. Other, people's other people's anger or disappointment in me is actually not my responsibility, it's theirs. Yeah. So whilst I might go into shame first of all, I then at some point go, oh, come on, you know, you didn't murder anybody, you didn't kill anyone, <laughs> um, you, you didn't steal anything. You acted in a way that you thought at the time was was a good thing to do. Two things. So one, on reflection, maybe that wasn't the best way of doing things. I might think that. Or on reflection, do you know I'd actually still do the same thing because I believe that's right. And it's other people's responsibility to react and to take responsibility for it. 
And then there's the, the thing that comes next, which is, right, so you just go sit here and hide it? No. Okay. What are you going to do? And then I, I can start to authentically move forward again. And I think that's what's happened when I failed or when I think I've failed or where I haven't done something so well. But I always get back up again. And I know I do. I always get back up again. And I think that's a very good trait of mine that I feel resilient. And there are times when I know I'm going into shame and when I know I'm hiding and when I know I'm not being quite so active. And there are times when I stand my ground and my power and I go, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> we have to do this. And I think that's resilience. It comes from within. And it's the very o'clock in the morning panic when, you know, the world seems like a very dark place. But somewhere in you, there's a light that switches on that goes, oh, come on, stop this. <laughs> okay, we're done. And that doesn't mean that I I'd never pop back into shame over that topic to visit it from time to time but when I do I go uh uh we weren't going to do that and you come out of here my love because you have a job to do you need to carry on walking and we're going to do this together that's resilience I think for me and I think everybody has that I've seen so many women with that I work with women particularly so many men have it also I'm sure but I work with women so I feel that on a feminine side particularly we're extremely strong. We're extremely versatile. We know what we're doing. We trust ourselves. And we get put off and we get pushed about a little bit sometimes. And we get life happens and it washes us away. But the women I've spoken to who have been hurt the most or disappointed the most or in desperate situations the most at some point stand up and go, Oh, come on. We're going to do this. <laughs> Okay, and you kind of pull your sleeves up and go, no, okay, I'm walking forward, and I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to trust myself that the path will open up. Yeah. That's resilience in my view. Yeah. I I agree. I think women have so much resilience. Some of them maybe haven't tapped into it yet, but it's there. It's like this... It's this thing that we have ingrained in us from however many years and however many decades, but we've got it for sure. And yeah. and yeah. That, that shame it's cycle. Sorry, that shame cycle is is crazy and I think we do it so much and I love how Brené Brown talks about it. And you you know how she says um I am this rather than that's what I did and it was a it was a bad call and I've I've done it recently even since listening to her and reading her books and I had a scooter accident the the other no a couple of weeks ago and I came off and I was like Flair you're so stupid like what are you doing and I was like actually no Flair you're not stupid you you did a bit of a, a a thing that was essentially not really in your control but it wasn't it wasn't smart. <laughs> we could have taken a bit more time over it. But you're not stupid. It just happened that there was a yeah. stupid thing that happened. And immediately I felt so much better within myself just taking that pressure off. And it made me yeah. think how we talk to ourselves on a daily basis. And it's, it's quite scary, actually, that we can do that. 
Oh, I think we have huge influence over what we do by the words we say to ourselves. You know, words are spells. Yeah. I've heard that. I've seen it on different memes on Facebook, and but words are spells. And I think you have to be very careful what you say to yourself and about yourself. But it's not really the words only. It's the energy with which you say them. Because the universe doesn't listen to, to words only. It listens to energy. Yeah. It listens to what you really mean, not what you say. Yeah. It listens to energy. So I think when people have accidents or I think maybe our minds are somewhere else, our minds are distracted, our, our energy may have been a little bit off. You know, I went out about, well, I went out in June uh, into a bed. And I went out with Livy, and I did not feel good. I felt like energetically off. I don't know why. I can't remember what happened, but I felt energetically off, just like not good. I felt a bit shaky. I didn't feel myself. I went to one shop. I bought some bean bags. I went in the taxi. The same taxi went to the supermarket. Went to pay for my supermarket for my shopping, and I don't have my purse on me. So I'm like, oh, my God, it must be in the taxi. The taxi driver's waiting outside, so I go and look in the car. There's no purse. I'd lost it somewhere between the shop and the supermarket. And it's like, I could not have felt more stupid. Like, really? Every single credit card and bank card I have is in that purse. Yeah. Along with my SIM card, <laughs> everything went. I had the cash I had, and that was all. And I'm in Bali and everything else is in the UK. Mm. How do I do this now? I couldn't pay for the shopping. I had to leave the shopping there. I've got a seven-year-old with me going, Mummy, what are we going to do? <laughs> I'm not really sure yet. And, you know, she's like, I, I bet we'll find it. I bet we'll find it, Mummy. So she was fantastic in a crisis. But, you know, I was off that day. Something about my energy that was not right and I, I lost my purse. Did you and find it? Happened. No. <laughs> oh, really? No, I never found it. No, I don't know. I have no idea what happened. I have no recollection of... I'm really careful with my purse. I have no recollection of that. That's so bizarre. And I don't know. Yeah, but I'll never know. But I stopped on my cars. You know, the moment you stop your cars is the moment you give up on finding your purse, and then you're really... Fucked really because you're in a different country and with no cards. Like you can't use them if you wanted to. You're like, oh my god, now I'm admitting that I've definitely lost my purse. If I find it now, I still can't use my cards. Thanks for this so challenge, I all had to go. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, thanks for this. I don't know why I attracted this, but I did. But yeah, that was an exercise in itself because then I had to be resourceful and I had to calm myself down and I had to start making the phone calls and, and working out how to get a really precious package all the way to Bali, you know? Mm. And people helped me and I attracted good help and I attracted resilience from myself. And I, that was a really good exercise, yeah. Cool. Thanks for sharing. Um, so when it comes to some advice we've got for our listeners, we've got giving them gratitude or picking something that they're grateful for every day, every morning, um, I'd love to actually know if with your cacao, maybe you can explain to the listeners who might not know much about cacao, but what it what it is and how it can help um, and what how they could potentially get involved with 
either one of your ceremonies or another ceremony that's maybe close to them, but maybe you can tell them about your retreat and stuff that you've got going on too. Ah, sure. Thanks so much. So, um, yeah, so when I had uh, done two years with ayahuasca um, and was feeling fairly proficient as a spirit helper in that realm, we came to the end of our ceremonies and I had some time to dedicate myself to meditation. And in meditation, I kept having this think cacao. You've got to try cacao. And I had that had never been on my radar, cacao. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's chocolate, isn't it? Like, you've taken <laughs> the world's strongest psychedelic, and now you're being asked to do chocolate? <laughs> I don't really know where this is going. Like, would chocolate have been the one to start with? I don't know. Anyway, it wasn't. So I found a cacao ceremony, and I sat in a cacao ceremony. And for the first third, for sure, I was like, okay, I don't really know why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And the chocolate was bitter and it wasn't very nice. And I'm like, okay, well, just drink it anyway because you never know. (laughs) And I thought, okay, your mind is getting in the way. You need to stop this. You're here for a reason. The least you can do is meditate. So I started to bring myself into a more meditative state and all of a sudden I felt her. I felt her arrive and I just thought, whoa, hello, there you are. Okay. (laughs) And it was like everything in me just lined up. I felt very grounded. I felt um, very, very clear. I felt lots of joy inside me. I mean, I felt like, oh, my God, this is the most beautiful state to be in. So if you imagine chocolate, you know, we all know that if you're feeling down to to scarf a packet of Cadbury's chocolate buttons, is <laughs> it's like that's kind of a, a high, right? It gives you, like, the... You know, just don't put anything between the woman and the chocolate. Nothing to do with all the sugar or anything. It's kind of that. (laughs) Yeah, but this cacao is like the chocolate at its base format. So you take the cacao bean, you dry the beans, they they take off the uh, chocolatey part and they process it to like the first half of processing, which is the very least that they can do in order to get it to a paste. And this is cacao, and it comes in the form of a block. So it's not had the fat taken out, it's not been separated, it's not been overheated, uh, treat, heat treated. By the time you get something in, um, like the chocolate in the supermarket, it has had the natural fat taken out, it's had vegetable oils put into it, it's had sugar put into it, it's had all sorts of things put into it. And it's a far cry, really, from the chocolate that cacao is. The Mesoamericans used it many, many years ago to commune with their gods. They used it in sacred ceremonies. Um, It was actually their currency at one point. It was used as money. It was revered so much. So, And then the Spanish got a hold of it, and uh, they basically took, as far as I can gather from my research, they took a large amount of the cacao back to Spain, And they kept it a secret for many, many, many years before the secret got out and people started to understand, well, how do I make this into a chocolate? And they started to add sugar to it and they started to make powder, which is where you take the fat away and all sorts of things. And then they started to sort of criminalise pure cacao. So that is what we drink. It's like the purest version that you can get. And it's really important if you're going to start working with ceremonial cacao to try and find something that is um, ethically sourced 
there's a lot of child labor involved in the production of cacao. Um, the big, big companies uh, are now admitting that they use child labor and that they cannot confirm that their cacao, they need it in such great big quantities that they cannot confirm it has not had child labor. So you have to be very careful mm. about sourcing cacao. Mine comes from Bali, um, from a beautiful company here that is ethical and it's called Uberu, and it comes as a big block. And you, you chop it up, you chop a little bit off the block and you mix it with um, water and you put blessings into it and you cleanse your area and there's lots of love into it. And so it's a drink essentially, after perhaps 20 or 30 minutes, puts you in a state of, how would you describe it, Flair? Like you've sat with me deep grounding, deep connectedness. How was your experience? I would say um, possibly, yeah, the very, very connected and also quite open to just the feelings that are coming up. Um, for me, oh. when, you do the, when you do the blessing of um, the, the woman that you were, the woman that you are and the woman that you're going to be now... It was yeah. it was really powerful for me, sort of thinking back at my young self and and just saying, you know, it's it's okay. You 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 know, we've got you, kind of thing. Yeah, That's, I love that. Yeah. I love the reflection of that. That's not something typically done in a cacao ceremony. In fact, there's all types of cacao ceremonies. I've been to many now, and I've realised that every cacao host has their own way of revering this plant medicine some use it to dance with and to sing with and to have a party with i use it in a very uh, meditative ceremonial space just like ayahuasca yeah uh, that's been my heritage in this area and that's how i respect this plant the most so but to build in that with what we we do at a woman's blessing which is to bless the woman is to bless ourselves, to really recognize the girl we used to be and the decisions she made and how she got us here. Because yeah. she did well. She <laughs> did damn well for all of us. <laughs> yeah. And we are here. And to celebrate ourselves right now and what we know now and what we do now and the woman we are yet to become because she's different again. She's wiser. She's more in tune with her body. She's more in tune with herself. She's more open to new experiences. She's braver. She's more courageous. She's an exquisite being. And we are that person to the girl we used to be, right? Yeah. I love that so, so much. Honoring. I use it as a self-honoring. And I love doing that. I wrote a post about it on Facebook today that the ability to honor ourselves is so beautiful. So beautiful. And so many of us forget it as well. Like, it's just not something we think about. I wrote about it today, and I was thinking, well, why don't... You know, when I say it's a self-honouring ceremony, sometimes women look at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> and I'm not going to do anything to you. <laughs> There's no lambs being slaughtered. You know, there's no blood being drunk. You know, it's it's. This is simply an opportunity for you to sit and meditate and just say, God, what did I 
what did I go through? You know, that illness, I overcame that. That divorce, I overcame that. That abortion I had, I overcame that. That miscarriage I had, I overcame that. Those decisions I made, I helped to, that helped to form who I am now, what I know now. Yeah. You know, it's a self-appreciation ceremony. And that's what I'm doing here in Ubud. I've, um, I've brought a woman's ceremony to, uh, sorry, a woman's blessing to the Pyramids of Chi, which is one of the most exquisite venues. Oh it's my gosh, amazing. and it's world renowned. Yeah. It's here at the Pyramids of Chi, and I'm, I'm there on a Sunday. I'm there on the 22nd of September. For anybody who's in Ubud, please come, because it's two hours to drink cacao with me, to sit in sacred circle with other women, and to remember ourselves. And it's simply the most exquisite circle it's just a beautiful space and we've got the gongs there and i have lizzie my assistant there who is a sound healer oh my gosh it's exquisite i'm so blessed to be able to work there and then i have my um my retreat here in bali on the 18th to the 23rd of october and it's that over five days of wonderfulness five days of blessings and rituals and ceremonies and talking circles and yoni steams and womb blessings and ancestral blessings and children's blessings it's so much stuff and i i'm going to teach the women who come there how to use ceremonial cacao for themselves how to hold space for themselves and how to do that and i i love being able to do that um and then there's our website which is a womansblessing.com and we sell rituals on there. You can download a ritual for as much as five pounds, as little as five pounds. <laughs> but really, if you've never done a ritual for yourself or a ceremony, it's a chance to go, well, what would I do? Like, what would I say? How do I do that? I like the idea of a letting go ceremony or a manifestation ceremony or a feel-good ceremony for myself, but I don't even know what I would do. So they are very simple instructions on a beautiful PDF that says step one, find yourself somewhere quiet to be. Step two, <laughs> light a candle. Step three, open your circle, say this. All words like that that mean something to you. And it's, it, it's all just introducing women to sacred space, to putting intention into a couple of hours. You know, when I, years ago before I knew anything about this, I would just write a to-do list at the beginning of the day these are the things i have to get done today go <laughs> what first on the list you know and that's how i run my life and i was fairly successful doing that <laughs> but I, my life i was but my life is more enriched now yeah. i still have a to-do list I, you know, i'm staring at it now on my desk and i've got things i've crossed off and it feels very exciting and empowering when i cross something off my list but there's another part of me that I recognize too, which is an energetic part. I have to be in the right energy mode and I have to be in the right space for me to be aligned yeah. and to hear my intuition and to work out where I'm going and trust myself. Love it. I love it. I love it so much. And <laughs> um, I just, I, I, yeah, I just want to let people know what you're up to because I think it's so cool and I think it's, so special to be one surrounded by other women in that open space and having that time yeah. to just put to yourself to reflect 
to to look forward you know to enjoy what's what's really happening in that moment and I think so many of us live such busy crazy lives that we don't actually give ourselves enough time to think to feel and to be in tune with that and I I do honestly think that as women we're very intuitive but so many of us aren't in tune with that intuition that we can't use it And that's a big uh, devalued, devaluement, if that's even a word, of ourselves. Because mm-hmm. we are so much more than a physical body. Yeah. We are a sensory being. We are an intuitive being. We get feelings that say, oh, hang on, that's the right thing to do. Or, hell no, I'm not even going anywhere near. <laughs> and we, if we listen to that from a deep level, <laughs> I once heard a priest say that. He was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that so funny. I thought I'm taking that place. <laughs> so I think you can enjoy life, you can be productive, you know, you can be smart and witty and funny and courageous and out there. But there has to be another side of you where you allow yourself the privilege of quietening your busy mind yeah. and seeing who's inside, who is there, what does she want, what is she saying? Oh my God, it's the most special, blissful moments I've had in ceremony. So, such blissful moments. And I love being able to share that. It's so nice. Yeah, that's it's truly, awesome. truly deep work. I love it. So, your cacao ceremony at the Pyramids of Chi is on the 22nd of September, and your retreat is on the 18th yeah. of October. Is that right? The 18th? Yes. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have uh, two spaces left on the 18th of October for that mm. retreat space just two and um, if anybody wants to come along and um, talk to me about it you know they might be living in Bali already and think okay I'm just going to hop along there and take myself for a week out or they might be um, a week sorry uh, living in another country and they might be hearing all of this and thinking oh god the temptation to drop everything and book a flight to Bali is becoming ever <laughs> more more present like I'm feeling the draw what's the airline I would use then just contact me because I think there are ways around everything and it's never too late right up until the last minute the things I like about my ceremonies is you never know who's going to turn up yeah there will be some person who booked six months before and there'll be somebody who booked three days before grabbed a last minute flight to Bali found herself sat in a in a ceremonial space next to the jungle going I'm not quite sure how I got here, but I seem to be in Bali. And I love that. That's, like, powerful. That's your intuition talking. That's saying, hell, I'm going to get out of this. I'm seeing something I like. I'm just going to run at it. We're open for all of that goodness. So please just contact me because things are always doable. Awesome. And where can they find you? Where can they contact you? A a womansblessing.com. Okay, perfect. And you've got your contact details on there. We're on Facebook. And yeah, we have um, a Strength Sister community on Facebook as well. Of course. So there's lots of links if you go to awomansblessing.com. There are all the links from there to our page and everything. You can contact me direct and say hello. And I'm happy to talk to anybody, anybody who finds this interesting or empowering or who wants to know more, who just wants to say hello and that they heard me on your show, then 
please just say hi because I'm always up for a little wave and a hello. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to everyone today. It's just, it's really, really lovely just listening to your voice and, and your story. I love your story so much. So it'll be interesting to see where you are in a year's time, maybe even five years time. We can have another podcast and see what's changed and what's been going on in your life um but yeah amazing I'd love that because I have no idea yeah (laughs) me neither (laughs) so we can see how it goes hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did it was so fun and if you'd like some more tips and tricks on how to grow your courage and your belief then join us in our free Facebook community it's called she's unshakable I can't wait to see you there If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcast listener and give us a five-star review. I can't wait to hear what you took from it and how you're going to implement all the knowledge that you've learned today.